The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Autism One, a conversation of hope brought to you by Enzymedica with host Terry Aranga. All comments, views, and opinions expressed are solely those of the host, guest, and callers. In the next hour, Terry and her guests illuminate how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Here's your host, Terry Aranga. Hello, and welcome to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel and this program, Autism One, A Conversation of Hope, for Tuesday, February 22nd. I'm Terry Arango with my guests from the Homeopathy Center of Houston, Cindy Griffin and Janice Stiebel. However, we have some late-breaking news, and we are joined by Bob Robert Krakow, Esquire, and the news today, Supreme Court, Brusewitz versus Wyeth. The decision is against the kids. Basically, the message is that insofar as legal recourse for vaccine injury, you are on your own. And I'm sorry about stammering, but this is very upsetting news, and we're going to go to Robert Krakow Esquire. What happened? Well, what happened is uh, the Supreme Court said, mostly on policy grounds, that if you have a vaccine injury, you have no recourse to the traditional civil courts. So unique in, uh, among all drug uh, product injury cases or all cases, um, if you're a vaccine-injured child or a vaccine-injured adult, you basically cannot sue. And this goes against uh, the tradition of our courts. And there was, uh, thank God, there was a, uh, a very well-thought-out and articulate dissent by Justice Sotomayor, and she reported that uh, vaccine manufacturers have long been subject to a legal duty to improve the designs of their vaccines in light of uh, advances in in technology. And she, um, at the end of her dissent, um, reported that this has now been taken away because given the lack of robust competition in the vaccine market, Vaccine manufacturers will now have little or no incentive to improve the designs of vaccines that are already generating significant project, uh, profit margins. And uh, Justice Sotomayor, joined by Justice Ginsburg, seems to be alone among uh, the members of the court to recognize that vaccines are a profit sector now and have been for a long time. And... Um, now there's no mechanism to make sure they're safer. And uh, vaccine safety advocates have been saying this for a long time, that, uh, that vaccines are dangerous, it's recognized, people are injured, and now there are, there's no remedy in the courts. This is a unique and troubling development in our uh, country's jurisprudence. And actually, in my view, will give us an opportunity now to make our case that much more strongly in Congress, because... As Justice Sotomayor said, Congress didn't intend this. Congress didn't intend to take away rights and intended to provide a layer of immunity protection, but also preserve rights. Um, If the vaccine court, which is a compensation program, which does exist, were more effective and robust in protecting rights, we might not be so uh, concerned about this decision. But Given the vaccine court's problems with no discovery, a short statute of limitations, uh, erratic decision-making in some cases, uh, this decision is unprecedented in taking away the rights of children. And for that reason, it's very troubling. A friend of mine, when she had her son, who now has autism, 
when she had him vaccinated years ago, she thought it must be okay because there's this vaccine court. Why would they want to pay out money? But they don't pay out money. And your colleague, Mary Holland Esquire, uh, who I interviewed uh, a couple of weeks ago about the book Vaccine Epidemic, uh, says that, asserts that vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. And now perhaps what advocates need to do is change their message from trying to convince everybody vaccines are unsafe to saying there is no recourse. There is no recourse. Well, the irony is that um, everyone recognizes that vaccines are unavoidably unsafe. That's actually one of the reasons why the court decided the way it did today. But it's ironic that something that's unavoidably unsafe would have no civil remedy. When the law was enacted in 1986, uh, among the, uh, those who wrote the law, uh, there was a phrase for children injured in the line of duty, that they were doing their civic duty uh, and their parents um, by getting vaccinated. And that was a strong policy in favor of vaccination. Those who are injured in the line of duty should be taken care of by the society that they're contributing to. And our society, by this decision, is turning their backs on our children. Sadly, this may be a very strong argument to avoid vaccination, since vaccinations are unavoidably unsafe. We know certain individuals will be injured by vaccines. If our society is not willing to stand up and protect those who are fulfilling their obligation to our society, then it's a a very uh, chilling argument on taking that risk. Um, And for that reason, I strongly disagree with the Supreme Court decision and the policy reasons that they give. And, um, again, I think the, the remedies to go to Congress and argue on behalf not only of the vaccine injured, but on behalf of our vaccine program, that this is a bad policy decision that tips the balance so, so uh, much in the favor of industry. Listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history? Peter Tung has dedicated over 20 years of his life's work to exploring that which is beyond understanding. Peter will help increase your awareness and education on this enlightening transformation in consciousness. Awakening to Conscious Co-Creation airs live Wednesdays at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. In the spirit of Have Couch Will Travel, Dr. Carol Lieberman creates a haven of sanity in an increasingly insane world. Each day we are bombarded with news of events that have never crossed our wildest nightmares. Society is spiraling out of control and everyone is reeling from it. But now there's an answer. The best way to keep sane in this insane world is to tune in to Dr. Carol's Couch on Voice America. Dr. Carol, a certified media psychiatrist, will broadcast live from her Beverly Hills office every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time. Call or log in and get help with whatever is sending you reeling whenever you need a soothing voice to calm and advise you. That's Dr. Carol's Couch every Tuesday at 1 p.m. Pacific time here on America's Voice, voiceamerica.com. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. And um, we're back with Robert Krakow Esquire and Cindy Griffin and Janice Stiebel from the Homeopathy Center of Houston. Bob, we got cut off while you were saying the word industry. Um, and uh, would you pick up on that comment and then uh, any closing remarks you'd like to share on the unfortunate Supreme Court decision on Brucewitz versus Wyeth? Thank you. I don't know where exactly I was cut off, but I think the last point I was making was that this decision tips the balance in favor of industry um, and in favor of um, uh, a policy that would mandate vaccines when everyone knows that there are a significant number of individuals and children who are injured by vaccines. So this seems to throw our national vaccine policy out of uh, whack and um, would be an argument uh, or a caution to getting vaccinated because the country is not saying it will protect children who are, in effect, injured in the line of duty. Um, I think this provides a strong argument for advocates who are interested in vaccine safety to go to Congress and saying we have to restore the balance here and we have to protect those who are injured by vaccines. Um, This decision throws everything out of balance. Fortunately, we have a very strong dissent uh, by a very articulate new justice, uh, Sonia Sotomayor, and I think she provides a very good framework for us to make those arguments. Thank Thank you, you, Bob. And where can listeners look for more information? I'm sorry? Where can listeners look for more information? Um, We uh, we have some information on the um, CALA website. That's uh, Elizabeth Burt Center for autism law and advocacy and we'll put more information there we have the decision will be up there and the our amicus brief that made the argument uh that did not prevail today um that's ebcala e-b-c-a-l-a dot org and um we'll point you to other sources of information from that site well thank you so much for coming on today on such short notice thank you thank you for uh um, dealing with the issue thank you And to our listeners, we are back now with Cindy Griffin and Janice Siebel of the Homeopathy Center of Houston. Cindy Griffin has studied homeopathy for 17 years and has been a professional homeopath in private practice for 13 years. She is co-owner of Homeopathy Center of Houston and co-developer of the Houston Homeopathy Method. Cindy is the mother of three adult children, including one who has fully recovered from Asperger's syndrome through the Houston Homeopathy Method. Janice Stiebel started her study of homeopathy 15 years ago. Many of her clients have recovered or are on their way to full recovery from autism. Janice has attended trainings in German biological medicine and practitioner trainings through Defeat Autism Now. Janice is board certified in integrative medicine by the American Association of Integrative Medicine. And on a personal note, I um, have seen how much um, the Homeopathy Center of Houston can help and um, I love them a lot, and so I welcome Cindy Griffin and Janice Stiebel. Thank you so much for being here today and sharing your time on this momentous day uh, for Bob Krakow to share that news. Thank you so much, Terry. Thank you. Cindy, this- Janice, in general, please uh, reiterate for our listeners who are perhaps a little bit familiar with the subject, what is homeopathy? Um, Well, I'll just start with that, and then Cindy maybe can chime in. But it's a holistic, therapeutic medical science, been codified over 200 years ago by brilliant German physician Samuel Hahnemann. And we see people turning to it increasingly now because it's non-toxic, non-invasive, yet very effective. But we use natural substances that can mimic an illness but stimulate healing based on the idea that like cures like, or the law of similars. What's the difference between mainstream or allopathic medicine's view of symptoms and homeopathy? I know, you know, when we grew up, pretty much, um, I know my son's pediatrician at least said, you know, if you see a symptom, squash it. If you see a bug, squash it. 
What's different about homeopathy? That's a really valid point. Um, conventional medicine is about look at a symptom, find the diagnosis, whether it's through testing or clinical experience of the physician, and as you say, squash the symptom. If the symptom goes away, then presumably the disease is gone. But unfortunately, that's not necessarily the way things are these days. A lot of things are chronic or subclinical. And um, with homeopathy, we view the symptoms as actually being a sign of the entire body system, the, uh, the immune system, the elimination systems, things like that, trying to rebalance itself from whatever is out of balance, from whether it's a toxin, a virus, a bacteria, a fungus. So there's quite a broad difference, pretty much polar opposites. Um, We actually use the symptoms. The system will actually use those symptoms to right itself. Yet homeopathy has a longer history even than allopathic medicine, does it not? It does. It's been around for 210-plus years as a codified system, uh, but the idea of like treats like was observed in nature, in natural healing, for thousands of years in Chinese medicine and so forth. In fact, one of my first encounters with Chinese medicine uh, and the law of similars was when a dry cleaner that I uh, go to had burned her arm and it looked terrible one day, and about a week later I picked something up, and she, it was about 80 to 90% healed. And I said, my goodness, what did you do for your burn? She said, oh, I hold it next to the iron as close as I can, and the heat makes a burn heal. So oh those my. principles are there. Right. Well, what did allopathic medicine uh, do? Did it... Did it adapt any of the homeopathic principles and change them? Very definitely. Go ahead, Janice. Uh-oh. Yep, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, it has adapted a lot. If we look at Jenner and the, the development of the smallpox vaccine, he tried to use a crude, undiluted similimum of cowpox when he developed the smallpox vaccine and um, actually shown that mass vaccination has more, you know, can do obviously more harm than good, and we see an increase in virulence. But at the time that the vaccine was first started, it appeared that the similimum of the two diseases, the similarity between the two diseases was effective at helping the immune system to recognize and defeat the the one that was coming up. There's some others with glenoinum and nitroglycerin. Can you talk about that, Cindy? Yes. In uh, allopathic medicine back, oh, goodness, I believe in the 20s and 30s, it was quite some time ago, they actually, uh, a lot of people, I know I had a grandmother who would have uh, chest pains, and she was given something called nitroglycerin, and she'd put the little pill under her tongue, And in hindsight, and then through research, I realized that that actually was uh, modern medicine using homeopathic glonoinum, which which will treat that type of chest pain of angina pectoris. And so that is what much of the glonoinum, or much of the nitroglycerin uh, in the 20th century actually was, was a, a homeopathic remedy. Okay. I'm also particularly intrigued by the concept of immunopathogenesis. Cindy, can you tell us about that? Yes. Um, When we have a client with a symptom, let's say he has an ache in his shoulder, we try to match the, uh, the remedy that would fit that particular pattern in an effort to support whatever the inflammation or whatever it is that the body is trying to do with that ache or pain, sometimes it's just preventing them from injuring it worse, um, as we try to 
stimulate and support the system's use of that symptom in order to heal itself. For instance, if, let's use a wound, for instance. If you have a wound that becomes mildly infected, you get redness around it, there's a sign of the inflammation, and then you often will have some sort of drainage. And some of the homeopathic remedies that might fit that would actually cause a more focused... Uh, the remedies don't cause it. It's the body's immune system that pick up a signal from a homeopathic remedy and go, oh, my goodness, this is like the uh, poster tacked up on the, uh, the post office wall. I recognize now where I have to focus. I can now zero in on it. Oh, we need a little more inflammation, a little more drainage. We get the bad stuff out, and then it heals very, very quickly. Um, so the, the idea is that the remedy will give the signals of what the illness is but also help the immune system focus on it and use the actual symptoms like drainage, sweating, uh, in the case of something like food poisoning. Vomiting or diarrhea is very simply a way for the body to eliminate whatever has caused it. And so once you get rid of whatever it is that's in there, then the organism can heal much faster. What you don't want to do is seal it off, and then down the road you find that you cannot tolerate certain foods and it becomes an ongoing increasing problem where homeopathy allows it to leave the system and allopathic medicine um, does not use those symptoms. It would rather um, eliminate them very quickly in a kind of a microwave medicine sort of approach because we all want to feel better quickly. Um, but the homeopathy actually will often shorten the duration of an illness precisely by this immunopathogenesis, which the word actually means immuno, meaning the immune system, patho, uh, symptom, genesis, creation. So it is symptoms created by the immune system in, an, in this attempt to right itself. And it's an excellent word that describes exactly what uh, homeopathy is always referred to as the homeopathic aggravation, a temporary worsening of the symptoms, but it's because the immune system is now focused. Yeah, it, you know, it just seems logical that if your body is responding with diarrhea uh, in an acute sense because you have a bug, that you'd want to eliminate the bug. Precisely. And from what you said, Cindy, it sounds as if homeopathy is a method that allows the body to support itself, the body to, that directs the body to look where it needs to look in order to support itself. Correct. Exactly. I think that's one of the main differences from uh, allopathic or mainstream medicine and homeopathy is the belief of the homeopath that the body was created to heal itself if it just has the correct information, the right nutrients, and, and so forth. Um, mainstream or allopathic medicine typically has a distrust for the body and doesn't believe that, it's, that it, it can heal itself at all. And so that's why so many drugs and so forth are necessary because their assumption is that the body can't do it needs help. Our assumption is that the body can heal itself but it does need the correct information and, and at times help getting the energy system back into balance. Right. And I know this is probably a tangent, but, um, you know, I've also talked on the radio uh, in, with regard to uh, the Bill Gates statement, why not just go into those third world countries and give them the nutrition, give them the food so that the body can support itself? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. So, Janice, you know, you talked about people looking to homeopathy. How much of the general U.S. population is looking to homeopathy? Is homeopathy pretty popular around the world? I, well, around the world, it, in, mo in many places, it is the mainstream medicine in, in many countries. But recently what we've learned in the United States, the trend is growing quite rapidly it's used by over 65% of the U.S. adult population, and from what it, uh, we understand, it's the fastest growing of complementary alternative medicine in the U.S. today. Okay, and why are 
parents of children with the diagnostic label of autism looking to homeopathy in particular? I think there are so many reasons. I'll, I'll mention a couple, and then Cindy might want to mention some more. Um, parents that I talk to are increasingly looking for alternatives to more aggressive um, medical approaches. Perhaps they have tried um, different conventional methods. Many children are sensitive. They're concerned about adding further toxin loads to the immune system that's already compromised and not functioning well. Um, Cindy, do you want to add to that? Well, a lot of parents... um have looked into some of the uh, biomedical approaches, which, you know, admittedly are very testing heavy. And a lot of them simply can't afford the amount of testing, which, mm. you know, the, the biomedical practitioners simply have to have um, in order to determine a course of action. With homeopathy, we listen, we take a very detailed history, so we, we don't work off of a diagnostic code or a diagnostic label, we talk to them about what is your child like right now? What are they, you know, what is their speech like? Do they have speech? And we get a very, very detailed picture of the child. Um, we observe them, if, even if they're out of town. You know, we have video and Internet and Skype and things like this uh, that we can have parents show us their child from time to time, as well as give us a verbal report of what has happened throughout the month. So we are not testing heavy. Uh, in fact, we don't do any testing. We don't need a diagnosis. We just simply look at who the child is. And for a lot of people, that is a very big financial interest for them. Um, most of these parents we know do struggle with finances, and rightfully so and understandably. So homeopathy is uh, often much less expensive just from that aspect. And a lot of them have, as Janice said, a lot of our parents come to us either having exhausted whatever they can, can get for their kids in the biomedical pharmaceutical approach, and by the time they get to us, you know, they're running out of options, and they have found that the homeopathy often helps in areas that uh, none of the biomedical or even other alternative supplemental type approaches uh, have helped. Well, let's pick up with the immune system when we come back from break at the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica. We'll be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On Mind, Brain, and Body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. Most chronic health problems are caused by the interaction between genetic susceptibility and environmental exposure. This was defined 10 years ago by the Centers for Disease Control. Join Dr. Robin Bernhoft for 21st Century Medicine. 
we will cover the whole spectrum of chronic illness and little-known medical treatments that are being used to make you healthier. 21st Century Medicine airs live every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We're back with Cindy Griffin and Janice Stiebel of the Homeopathy Center of Houston, and we're going to be talking about the Houston Homeopathy Method. And before we keep going, ladies, could you please share with our audience your website? Yes. It's www.homeopathy, H-O-M-E-O-P-A-T-H-Y, in the city name Houston, dot com, homeopathyhouston.com. And I encourage listeners to visit their website and um, avail yourselves of the wonderful insights that they can share with you. Uh, so let's pick up with the immune system. Has homeopathy been used in other imbalances of the immune system, such as cancer, for example? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, again, we don't work off of a diagnosis. We work off of the imbalances, and cancer is an end result of a whole string of imbalances. Um, a lot of, uh, there was a recent study published actually almost exactly a year ago, January of 2010, in the International Journal of Oncology, and it was a study that was undertaken of four homeopathic remedies that was done by MD Anderson Cancer Center right in our backyard here in Houston. And um, it looked at four different remedies that were used by a, uh, the, it was called the Banerjee Protocol, uh, used at a, a cancer hospital, a homeopathic cancer hospital in Calcutta, uh, India. And the NCI, the National Cancer Institute, actually backed the study. They did a best practices uh, search for various complementary and alternative methods for cancer, and they found some remarkable responses. They tested, uh, they put out one study in 2003, which was the springboard for the MD Anderson study, which was very, very uh, scientifically undertaken. And they tested four different remedies commonly used for breast cancer in this Banerjee protocol in India, and they tested them in vitro which one of the things that people say as, a, you know, as sort of a naysayer against homeopathy is, well, it's all placebo, it's so highly dilute, it doesn't do anything. Well, in, in a Petri dish uh, with these cancer cell lines, and then they also tested against healthy cells, what the occurrence was was that they found that each of those remedies um, would cause cell death or cell apoptosis of the cancer cells, whereas they did absolutely no negatives to the healthy cells in separate Petri dishes, and the healthy cells actually started putting out some of the typical anti-cancer subtle signals that uh, MD Anderson knows have to be there for the body to successfully fight cancer. And uh, it, it actually, not only did it show the efficacy of ho- these four remedies against breast cancer, it showed it to be equal to that of tamoxifen, which is a common breast cancer chemotherapy drug. And they stated that it also showed none of the negative side effects to the healthy tissue. So this was a landmark case because not only did it show efficacy against these cell cancer, uh, these breast cancer cells, but it also proved that it wasn't all placebo effect because one would think that an individual cell in a Petri dish would not have any expectations of one effect or another, and yet it worked very, very therapeutically in vitro. 
So uh, that was nice to see. And one of the reasons Anderson undertook the uh, whole study was because of the interest on the part of many of their cancer patients in doing homeopathy as an augment uh, to conventional cancer treatments. So they said, well, let's look into this more. So we feel like that's going to put some foots in the door a little bit. Yeah, that's some of the most exciting news that I've heard. Let's move on to sequential homeopathy. Janice, what distinguishes sequential homeopathy and what's the rationale for it? it what really distinguishes sequential homeopathy from what most people are probably you know, most familiar with, classical homeopathy. In classical homeopathy, the practitioner is looking at all the myriad of symptoms that an individual may have and they're finding the most similar remedy for that. So in most cases, they're using one remedy. With sequential homeopathy, we're looking at the myriad of symptoms, but we're also taking into account layers. There are the multiple traumas that are layered one upon the next um, in individuals. If we look at um, the last 200 years, it's obvious to see that our world has become much more toxic and challenging for for individuals, and when I talk about multiple tra- uh, traumas or layers, referring to things like genetic inherited weaknesses, um, toxins combined with traumas uh, such as illnesses, over-the-counter medications, prescription drugs, vaccines, all these layers are addressed m- most effectively with sequential homeopathy because we're taking into account the complexity of uh, the issue and the fact that there are layers of things and that we really can't see everything on the on the top surface at the first look of someone and so by by unlayering things we we have a more gentle approach um, a more immune supporting and rebuilding approach and we're able to address many of the common symptoms that come up as part of the healing process all right, and Cindy, can you tell us about Herring's laws and give us some concrete examples? Sure. Uh, Constantine Herring was considered the father of American homeopathy. He actually learned about homeopathy more or less on a dare when he was a medical student. He was asked to disprove homeopathy, and when he couldn't do it and he actually was treated homeopathically, he became, as I said, the father of American homeopathy and brought it to the United States in the uh, mid to late 1800s. And he codified, again, these were just observations that have been pulled out of natural health and healing for thousands of years, what he called Herring's Directions or Herring's Law of the Direction of Cure. And typically, the body will heal from innermost to outermost. Uh, It will heal from top to bottom and it will heal from most vital organ outward to least vital. Uh, One particular case comes to mind that actually embodies almost all of these. I had a child who had literally head-to-toe eczema that came on uh, within a couple of weeks of his first uh, baby vaccination at two months old, and literally the child, the parents said, with the first vaccine, the eczema covered his scalp and started on his face. Um, it also started at his hands and his feet, and then it gradually worked its way from individual joints to covering his whole body. As we started clearing in reverse chronological order, his most recent vaccine first, he started clearing in the same from the top to the bottom, the top of his head, his scalp cleared and his face cleared the first time that we did a clearing. Uh, the second month, the uh, extremities began to clear, but he maintained some on the torso and on his legs and feet. And as we worked our way through his, you know, some antibiotics that he had, because dysbiosis can be a part of eczema, Things like that we addressed as much as we could see on the surface of his history. And literally, um, he was headed into some asthma when he came, and it's not uncommon for eczema to be treated uh, in the medical world with cortisone. 
and we've seen a number of kids that the next step after asthma, eczema treated by cortisone may be either ear infections or asthma. And, and his asthma began to clear as we were starting to work back through various toxins and, and things like that. His asthma began to get better, and then the eczema got slightly worse for about two weeks, and then all of a sudden the mom realized about three or four months into it, oh, I never told you that he was going into asthma, but his asthma cleared. So the most vital organ, the innermost organ, started pushing things out to the outside, to the skin, which is uncomfortable but not life-threatening, and literally, it was like watching a thermometer drop. It was like his head, then his shoulders and neck, and down the chest. And it, it literally just cleared him from the top to the bottom, from the uh, innermost to the outermost, and from the most vital to the least vital organs, which is, again, a part of that body wisdom that that homeopaths believe is a part of the vital force, that will and ability to rebalance towards health and, and healing. Okay. So we've talked about homeopathy. We've talked about sequential homeopathy, and you may have alluded to it. Please forgive me. What makes the Houston homeopathy method different? I'm going to let Janice answer that. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to answer that one. I'm sorry. I think you may have mentioned this, Terry, but the homeopathy center has been um, working with clients for over... 13 years now, and didn't start with all uh, clients on the autism spectrum disorder uh, spectrum, but over the course of time, that that population of our client base has grown significantly, and as we began to have those first cases and as that started to grow, autism really forced us to look at things differently. Um, to do a lot of research and look at things with new eyes, pull out all the stops, Cindy says often. And so we're able to integrate many, many methods um, under the homeopathic um, umbrella to, to relate to specific challenges and symptoms that the autism spectrum population seems to have um, across the board, such as gut issues and immune, uh, viral immune um, challenges, bacterial symptoms, and like Cindy said, we don't have to do a lot of testing, but by, and the kids can't speak, and so uh, obviously learning, the beginning to learn the biomedical approach helped us quite a bit to understand what was going on in the body, but then we wanted to find safe and natural alternatives to the drug therapies that are typically given. And again, from a personal standpoint, uh, Homeopathy Center of Houston has helped me a great deal. And again, I encourage you to visit their website, www.homeopathyhouston.com. We're going to go to break and come back with Cindy Griffin and Janice Stiebel of Homeopathy Center of Houston. When we come back, thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedico. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. More and more parents of children affected by autism are discovering enzyme therapy as an important part of their treatment program. Digestive enzymes help to break down the foods which may enhance nutrient absorption. Used therapeutically, enzymes can also support the immune system to break down pathogens such as viruses, fungal forms, and bacteria. Enzyme Medica formulates the highest quality of enzyme supplements to address a wide variety of issues. Lacto, a broad-spectrum digestive enzyme focusing on the complete digestion of milk proteins. Gluten Ease, high in DPP-4 activity, known for its ability to help break down gluten. And Virus Stop, an enzyme formulated to assist in the body eliminating pathogens. Enzyme Medica provides the purest enzyme products, free of fillers, anything artificial, and of all common allergens. We are dedicated to education and helping you find the best products for your children. Learn more today at www.enzymemedica.com. 
Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio, Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. The Autism Hope Alliance is dedicated to the recovery of children and adults from autism. The goal of this nonprofit organization is to ignite hope for families facing the diagnosis through education and funding to promote progress today. Diet modification, biomedical intervention, and educational therapy have been shown to be successful tools on the path to recovery. Through these efforts, we believe hope will replace hopelessness. Recovery for our children is a reality. For more information, go to AutismHopeAlliance.org. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Welcome back to Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. If you have a question or comment, call us toll-free at 866-472-5792. Now back to the program. Here's Terry. We are back with Cindy Griffin and Janice Stiebel of the Homeopathy Center of Houston. Let's look at some practical applications. Let's talk about the symptoms of what people call PANDAS, which means pediatric autoimmune neuropsychiatric disorders associated with streptococcal infection. Cindy? Well, again, we don't work off of a diagnosis, but obsessions and compulsions and ritualism have always been a part of what we've noticed with our children with autism and now there is also a group of autistic children who are now being diagnosed with this pandas and there are a number of children who were otherwise fairly uh, if not completely neurotypical who are also now coming up with this diagnosis which is basically a sudden onset after a strep infection of these compulsions and rituals and uh, hand-washing behaviors, things like that, but it can go way beyond I wash my hands a lot to completely shutting the kids down and getting them completely unable to function, whether they're autistic or whether they're neurotypical. And uh, homeopathy doesn't need to have a test, but we have always used certain remedies such as belladonna, um, phytolacca, which are commonly used for sore throats or ear infections, which in the medical literature have been often attributed to uh, streptococcus, and have found that a lot of times these obsessions, the rituals and things like this are some of the things that go away. We found that also to be true with a number of tick disorders, ticks, uh, and uh, you know we've had a number of kids with Tourette's syndrome either uh, as a comorbidity of autism or simply uh, actually Lyndall Lanham, the co-owner of Homeopathy Center of Houston, her younger son had the, quote, true Tourette syndrome with a genetic uh, link to another person in the family who also had tics. And he recovered from the Tourette syndrome, I would say probably 98 to 99 percent Uh, about the only time his tics come up is when he's exceedingly, exceedingly tired or when he has certain chemical or mold exposures. He's still a little sensitive there, but it still does not come back to the point where he can't sleep at night and that sort of thing. You just notice maybe a little shoulder shrug or um, maybe a vocal tic. So things like that are, um, we've seen kids who have had absolutely, amazing turnarounds. We've had one child uh, that had an onset of ticks about four months ago, and uh, we're not sure exactly what, what triggered it, but just through using homeopathic similimum remedies and, again, supporting the nervous system, supporting the eliminatory systems, uh, this child's ticks have almost completely gone away. In fact, she said to her mother, her mother said, oh, I haven't noticed any ticks, and she had one particular tick that she would would often have during a meal, and when the mom pointed it out, the little girl kind of looked at her puzzled, and and she was about seven years old, and she went, oh, I guess I forgot to do it. 
So uh, pandas can include ticks. It can also include, as we say, rituals like hand washing or having to tap a certain uh, place on a wall or having to walk into a room and turn the lights on and off. There are a million different, there are as many different variations as there are people, but that's why homeopathy is so effective is we now know from Dr. Suido's research, Dr. Sue Suido of the National Institute of Mental Health, that um, there is some sort of a tie to streptococcus bacteria. But even before we knew that, then we were able to help it. But now that we know that much more information from the medical research, then it certainly has helped us to tweak our program. And we've seen some amazing, amazing um, improvements in our autistic children in the area of anxiety. Uh, In the psychological realm, it is fairly well understood that uh, that a compulsion or an impulse like this, a compulsive uh, habit, often is a response to an inner anxiety. It's like I cannot control my inner anxiety, so I have this one thing that I can control, but I'm going to control it. If it's worth doing, it's worth overdoing. And that right there is enough for us to be able to find excellent remedies that have helped a number of the kids with this problem. Whether they're autistic or whether they're outside the autism spectrum, um, it is a growing problem, and it's grown within the autism world as well as one of the comorbidities. And helping with OCD symptoms is, is such a relief to the individuals involved and their families. We are going to put up a parent testimonial on the Autism One, uh, www.autismoneone.org website this evening. Um, and uh, we encourage you to look there. We don't have enough time to read it now, but we will have it up at www.autismone.org later today. And I want to thank you, Cindy and Janice, for sharing the safer approach to the body taking care of itself. I think a, a good slogan might be support, not squash. So thank you for being with us today. And thank you for to, having us. You're quite welcome. And to our listeners, Cindy Janice and the Homeopathy Center of Houston team will be presenting at the Autism One Generation Rescue 2011 conference at the lovely Weston Lombard Yorktown Center Hotel in Chicagoland, May 25th through the 29th. Cindy Griffin and Lyndall Lanham will be presenting on Friday, May 27th in the Advanced Parent Training Track. And Janice will be presenting on Saturday, May 28th with Julianne Adams and Lynn Rose DiMartini in the 101 track. There will also be a homeopathy roundtable on the Friday. If you haven't heard, conference registration is free to choose from approximately 150 speakers. Please visit www.autism1.org. The Homeopathy Center of Houston team will also have an article in the debut issue of the new magazine, Autism Science Digest, the Journal of Autism One. Please visit www.autism1.org and click on the online store for more details. Thank you to our sponsor, Enzymedica, makers of fine digestive enzymes to complement your therapeutic diet. Kristen is back next week and on March 8th. Betsy will be here with Sharon Ross Ingram. To our listeners, thank you for tuning in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Medica would like to thank you for listening to Autism One, a conversation of hope. To contact Terry or get more information, visit autismone.org. Tune in next Tuesday for another hour of education and conversation on Autism One, a conversation of hope with Terry Aranga. 